This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. I am your host, Clark Rockfall, the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. Thank you to everyone who is listening via the ACB Media Network, and of course, everyone listening, downloading, streaming, rating and reviewing, and always referring to a friend via your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about ACB, please visit us online at www.acb.org. And if there's an advocacy issue that's important to you or that you have some questions about, including this podcast, please feel free to email us at advocacy at acb.org. Well, hello, everyone. Happy New Year. I know we're a few weeks in, but this is my first appearance on the advocacy update here in 2022, and it's been one heck of a start to the year. This podcast, we're going to focus on a a pretty big deal in the world of technology and certainly in the world of accessible technology as well, and that is the Consumer Electronics Show which was held live and in person the first week of January in Las Vegas, Nevada. And joining us to discuss CES is the executive director of the Consumer Technology Association Foundation, Steve Yule. Steve, good afternoon. Thanks, Clark. Excited to be here with you. That's great. And then no stranger to ACB and our members, Uh, Vice President of Vispero, as well as a member of the ACB Advisory Board and the Board for the CTA Foundation, Matt Ader. Hello, Clark, and hello, Steve. Good to see you both. Good to see you as well. Uh, So, Steve, what is your role at the uh, Consumer Technology Association Foundation? Yeah, thanks, Clark, and thanks for inviting me, and uh, really thanks for uh, coming out to, to CES with us this year. So my role, uh, I head up the, the Consumer Technology Association Foundation, uh, which is a charitable foundation affiliated with the Consumer Technology Association, the group that runs CES. Uh, they're a trade association that represents uh, uh, technology companies uh, kind of across the industry uh, here in the U.S., and we set up this foundation. Actually, uh, this year will be our 10th anniversary since launching that foundation as a way to give back on behalf of the industry. And specifically, we're focused in on how can technology be used to help both older adults and people with disabilities. So we provide a number of different programs, whether it's convenings at activities like CES, uh, whether it is uh, pushing the innovation uh, for the technologies that can assist the populations that we uh, serve, or whether it's funding uh, with some of the grants and programs that we work with. So we're always excited to uh, work with partners like ACB and uh, have you uh, participate at activities like CES. Thanks, Steve. And, and Matt, I mentioned your, your day job, uh, several boards that you serve on with ACB as well as the CTA Foundation. Are there any other uh, lofty titles 
that that I've missed or that you'd like to highlight? No, I mean, my focus within um, Vespero is um, managing our software engineering side as well as corporate business development. And, and that's a pretty broad term on the corporate business development, but it's engaging with organizations like American Council of the Blind, like CTA Foundation, and other um, opportunities where we can help um, the uh, blindness community get access to our technology. And so the focus being on the software side is, you know, very familiar with most of um, your members, such as JAWS, Zoom, Text, and Fusion. That's great. Yeah, Vispero being kind of the uh, the umbrella company over those assistive technology software programs. Uh, I was formerly a, a Zoom text user, then a Zoom text level two with speech user, and now a JAWS user. So I'm sure many of our members are familiar with the the product lines, both hardware and software, offered by Vispero. Yeah, and I think that you know the brands being Freedom Scientific, Enhanced Vision, and and um, Optelec are very known to the community, and then of course the consultative um, arm uh, TP, TPGI, which is TPG Interactive, focused on accessibility in a broader term. That's great. So, Steve, tell us a little bit more about the Consumer Electronics Show. I, I know for me, this being my first year in attendance, it's it's something that I've read about for years. Uh, you know, Christmas comes a week earlier, but really for the tech community, it's almost like Christmas, Hanukkah, every uh, birthday is all rolled into one. So, what is the Consumer Electronics Show? Yeah, thanks, Clark, and uh, yeah, you. Uh... Picked uh, an interesting one for your first show, but uh, really excited to have had you uh, there. Uh, So CES is, we like to say it's the global stage for innovation. It is the world's largest, uh, most influential tech uh, event. Um, And it's an opportunity. It's essentially, it's a trade show. It's an opportunity to bring together technology companies from across the industry. Uh, And this is their opportunity to get a lot of business done at the beginning of the year, whether it's the companies meeting with retailers to get their products on store shelves or, or carried uh, in their inventory uh, to be sold online, whether it's companies getting together and meeting uh, to form new partnerships. Um, you know, essentially, this is a, a really great opportunity to bring together people from all over the industry, highlight, you know, what's new, what's exciting, what's coming in the industry, and then ultimately lead to the, the business uh, that can get done uh, throughout uh, the activity. You know, this year, uh, as you mentioned, was certainly a little bit of a, a different year as we adjusted things to make it a, a safe and healthy show uh, to be able to do in person. Uh, we had about uh, 2,300 exhibitors uh, from across the show exhibiting in person. Uh, we also had some additional exhibitors that had uh, digital only uh, content uh, this year. And uh, about 800 of those were uh, startups from all over the world. So companies come from all over the world to participate at CES. Uh, we ended up with, uh, we're still auditing the, the numbers, but we expect somewhere uh, just a little bit more than uh, 45,000 uh, attendees uh, participating in person uh, at the show this year. Um, once again, about 30% of those were international attendees. Um, and, you know, it, it's just a, a great opportunity to get people together, have these conversations. And then it's also, you know, an exciting opportunity for us to really 
highlight as the CTA Foundation and, and with our partner organizations, the importance of issues like accessibility for the industry uh, around the world. So uh, it's really just a, a great opportunity to kick off the year uh, celebrating uh, the, those fun tech stories, uh, but also get a lot of work done at the same time. And Matt, how many times have you attended CES? So I've been with the company about eight years, and I think I've been going to CES for seven of those years, um, not including last year, which was virtual. So that was, well, I guess that includes last year, which was virtual. The um, I'll highlight something that that Steve said, which I think a lot of folks don't um, recognize the importance, which is the tech companies getting together um, to collaborate and meet new business partners. Or meet existing business partners, and I and I can think of one that that most of our customers would recognize is you know the company who makes our voices. So you know you if you're using Jaws or Zoom Text or Fusion, you use a voice um, either Eloquence or uh, Vocalizer, and a company Serance um, makes those voices, and they don't do it just for us. They make the voices for cars and for other technologies. And they're at a show like this. And, and we sat down and met with them because of lots of the different technology needs, both in our software and our hardware. And that's not, that's more of a B2B meeting, a business to business meeting. But there's a lot of value in us seeing what their business is doing so that we can hopefully integrate new technologies that they're bringing to market. And so even though, you know, you and I walking around the show floor is inter- are interested in new technologies for personal or for business use. There's also that B2B side that Steve highlighted that I think is really critical for a trade show like this. And Matt, Steve mentioned for 10 years, the CTA Foundation has been inviting accessibility leaders to take part in the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, This was the first year that ACB was represented, and uh, I was lucky to draw the long straw to, to be ACB's representative at the Consumer Electronics Show. I certainly appreciated the, the approach that CTA took with requiring vaccinations and masks and having rapid tests available um, and encouraging their use throughout the conference, um, because there is a level of engagement and interaction that you only get in person, right? I think anyone who's a, an accessibility advocate has, has tried cold calling and emailing uh, a lot of companies, and you are one of thousands, if not millions of people to be doing so, but to be able to be in person and build those connections and those relationships and get hands-on with the technology and do in-person demonstrations of what works and what might not work uh, for users of different skills and abilities is very important, um, not only from an advocacy perspective, but also an educational perspective. Matt, I'm curious, as a, a member of ACB's advisory board, as well as the CTA Foundation, um, what are your thoughts on the need for accessibility leaders to be present at CES? Well, I think it's, um, I think it's critical to, um, as you mentioned, build those relationships with the different companies. It also helps those companies recognize the importance of accessibility and needs of people with disabilities in a broader sense than just beyond blindness. But if you look at um, the work that CTA has done to ensure that CES is a good experience for people with disabilities, 
I want to commend them because I don't, I've never seen anything like it at a show before. Um, the ability um, when you're registering at, at the beginning, just to check a box to say, I may need assistance um, and what type of assistance I may need. And then to get contacted ahead of time to, in the case of being blind, having someone walk around with you and read stuff to you and guide you through the exhibits. And, and, you know, if we think about exhibits at a assistive technology show that, that, you know, some may know like a, a ACB's own convention or at a uh, conference uh, like CSUN or, or something else like it, those are a lot smaller than um, <laughs> a CES and um, are contained in one building. And you go to CES and um, without that level of assistance um, provided by um, uh, people to guide you through the experience, it would be really challenging. Um, and, and part of it is that there's so much volume to, you can't stop at every booth and say, what is this and what's going on here? You need to read and kind of focus on uh, several things. You heard um, Steve say there was like, I think he said 22, 2300 um, in-person vendors. Well, in a normal year, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, it could be like 4,500. And that's a lot of walking um, and, and, and you need good shoes for this, but you also need a, a plan. And I think this year is probably not, if I, if, if I had had this year as my first year, it would have really kind of um, uh, made it easier to guide yourself through the experience because it is such, uh, it, you know, half the show size is a big difference, um, both from a, a footprint perspective and number of uh, vendors. Well, and Matt, I just want to jump in and, uh, you know, one, thank you for the, the recognition. That is one of our, our goals is to make the show as accessible as possible. But I think that's a, something to, to highlight as well is I think one of the important pieces that I look at with CES is we're not a assistive technology show. Uh, I want assistive technology to be there. Uh, that's why we love having, you know, Vispero and, and APH and Good Maps and others uh, along the line on the show for and participating uh, in the, the show. Um, but the vast majority of the, the people at CES are not there to necessarily talk about accessibility, but that means it's a great opportunity for us. It's an opportunity for us to get in front of the developers, the engineers, um, and the business leaders who maybe aren't thinking about accessibility quite as much uh, as the rest of us are um, and highlight why this is so important of an issue, why this is an opportunity for them. And that's part, it goes back to why we bring the accessibility leaders to the show is we've seen that, you know, whether it's a startup where, you know, one of the accessibility leaders meets with, you know, the, the person who designed the, the, uh, product there at their booth and suggest just a few tweaks. And all of a sudden that product has a whole new market that they can reach based on, you know, one little conversation on a show for at CES, but also looking at the, the big companies, uh, you know, Samsung had an entire accessibility section of their booth. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to describe Samsung's booth. Uh, sometimes they're, they're, um, I feel like they could take up an entire show floor on their own, uh, along with some of the other uh, big companies that uh, show up at CES. But you know, to get those companies 
focused on this issue and having that conversation in a audience that quite frankly is not, you know, we're not preaching to the choir. We're reaching kind of the, the people who, uh, you know, can still learn quite a bit about accessibility and why this is so important. So that's why, you know, it is so critical for us to have that representation at the show floor and also encourage those kinds of partnerships, those B2B meetings that Matt was talking about um, between what you'd call traditional assistive technology and, and maybe traditional general consumer technology will lead to better products for all of us. So we're excited to see those meetings happening and, you know, leading to better uh, results for all of us. And Steve, if you don't mind, uh, I guess, give a, a snapshot or an overview of the types of companies and, uh, you know, the industry sectors that are present at CES um, and who are members of the Consumer Technology Association. Yeah. So, uh, all right, I'll, I'll fill up the whole rest of this. This is, uh, this is, there's a, there's a long list. I'll say Uh, that (laughs) it's a little overwhelming, right? uh, Essentially, if you're talking about, uh, consumer technologies, um, they are represented within, uh, CTA and at CES. So everything from, you know, certainly, you know, the, the TVs and the phones and tablets and other devices along those lines, you know, 3D printing, um, you know, smart home technologies, health and wellness technologies, sports and fitness technology, transportation was probably one of the uh, really big areas that we saw this year at the show. Um, we saw more work in things like uh, IoT and sensors. Um, robotics was a, another big area this year. Um, you know, fintech is a, a growing area for us, especially along the lines of blockchain and, and those types of uh, technologies, AI-based technologies. Uh, audio uh, tech is uh, kind of going back to the roots of uh, CES. Um, and some of the big areas for us uh, of growth this year, the new areas that we added to the show were food tech, uh, looking at both the production of food as well as uh, some of the newer food technologies. We've had companies like Impossible Meats uh, at the show for a couple of years now, but continuing to grow that area. Uh, growth in the um, space tech area was a, a new one for us as well. We had uh, Sierra uh, Space uh, demonstrate their uh, space plane. So uh, mm-hmm. it really is... Um, pretty much you you name a technology area and it's going to have some representation at CES, uh, which is part of why I think as Matt said, uh, it's good to have a plan going into the show because you know you really can't just walk the show floor and, and see everything. It's really a matter of picking who are the companies and what are the areas that you're interested in finding um, and targeting those areas, as well as you know spending some time walking through specific uh, marketplace areas to come across that, uh, that company that maybe you hadn't heard of before, but could have uh, an interesting product that could, uh, could be a future partnership for you. Steve, you, you left out drone technology this year. It, was there less drones this year than previous years? No, there were actually were uh, drones as well. Uh, in fact, uh, I know I've heard a bunch of people talking about there was a air purifying drone that could fly around and uh, 
purify uh, the air uh, that a, a bunch of people were talking about. Um, no, I, I'm sure I skipped a whole lot of. I just, areas. I was just teasing you because I just. <laughs> there was one year where there was probably I don't know forty, fifty different drone companies all in one sector. And they could fly their drones. I don't know if they were supposed to, but they, I mean, little smaller ones, they could fly them right around inside the space. Cause it's, it's not like it's a ceiling in your house. It's, you know, big, huge rooms. They're very, yeah. Yeah. So I, I will say just from a safety perspective, they all were in netted uh, areas. So uh, we didn't have drones just randomly flying off into the audiences, but uh, yes, uh, we do. Uh, you know, that's part of the, the experience of going to a, a CES is the opportunity to, um, you know, see some of these products firsthand uh, in many cases, get hands on with these products um, and be able to, to really experience them. Uh, you know, as much as we do have a digital component to the show and, and it's an opportunity to reach people who can't come to the show for one reason or other, but um, you know, nothing, nothing really beats the opportunity to, to see some of these technologies firsthand. And just as a first time attendee to uh, kind of put a put a bow on this. The exhibitors and participants at CES are everything from the large multinational conglomerate technology companies that everyone knows and is probably interacting with at this very moment, whether it's a Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Samsung, LG, Honda, GM, and I, I could just go on and on and on, uh, down to companies in new and emerging markets, ones that we've uh, probably heard of that are growing rapidly as they fill the needs in the market. But then, Steve, there's also the Eureka Park, where there are companies with new ideas and uh, ideas of prototypes that may or may not have even been invented yet. Yeah, Eureka Park's always one of the the fun and exciting areas of the show because it is you see just you know some ideas that are just really out there. Um, there there are these kinds of companies that um, you know why didn't I think of that uh, after you see it or wow this is really going to be the the next big thing and it, it's amazing to see some of the things that uh, are brought together. We had eight hundred startups from all over the world. Um, you know, one thing I will highlight, uh, the CTA Foundation runs a contest every year uh, where we give away five booths to startups uh, based on having technology that can either benefit older adults or people with disabilities. Um, and this year, you know, those five were essentially the first five booths you ran into when you walked into the the Eureka Park Hall. Um, and it was a chance to, to look at, you know, we had a company like Cosmos Robotics who had a, a caregiving uh, robot uh, designed more for like senior uh, living communities. Uh, we had Personal AI, uh, which was founded by one of the founders of uh, Ira uh, with their uh, memory uh, assistance um, um, AI-based uh, product. Uh, we had uh, a company uh, that unfortunately wasn't able to be on the show for, but participated digitally uh, that came out of Gallaudet University called GoVobo, uh, working on captioning for uh, deaf attendees, um, as well as you know other kind of aging-related solutions like Parasuite and Caregiver Smart Solutions. So a number of great uh, products along those lines. Uh, we also get a lot of co uh, countries that essentially are 
they're almost competing at this point to uh, highlight the the startups that are coming out of uh, their countries. You know, countries like you know France, uh, the Netherlands, uh, the UK. Korea, uh, really all over the world, bringing together some of the, the innovations uh, from their countries to highlight at the show. And this is a space that gets a lot of attention, both from the investor community, as well as the media, as they're looking at some of the, the new technologies. I know a lot of people keep raising um, out of the UK, there was a company that brought uh, a robot uh, called Amica, which was um, has very lifelike facial facial features and interacts uh, through a, an AI solution. And I'll tell you the that uncanny valley was um, it, it was really kind of impressive to see how this uh, robot was interacting with people as they came up and, and interviewed her um, on the show floor. So that was one of the the things that really got a lot of attention at, uh, at CES out of Eureka Park. But there's really, like I said, there were 800 different stories there um, showcasing a wide variety of different technologies. And it's always one of the spaces that I get energized from seeing because chances are, you know, these are all small startups that are there. So the person you're talking to at the booth is probably, you know, a founder of the company or designer of the, the product. So it's really a great opportunity to engage with them at the early stage of their company and really highlight why, you know, the, the accessibility and the, you know, age-friendly and, and other issues along those lines are so important for their products. And Steve, you alluded to uh, this technology earlier with some of your comments, but when I arrived at CES, one of the first items on the agenda was the accessibility roundtable, where the accessibility leaders, along with some of the CTA Foundation grant recipients, um, along with more established companies like uh, Dolby Laboratories and Verizon Communications, took part. Um, At this roundtable, I was seated next to an individual who attended Eureka Park several years ago and through a conversation with one of our blind colleagues, Mike May, uh, made some enhancements to his keyless lock that you could unlock using your fingerprint. And now he has a model of that lock that is available with uh, audible feedback as well as vibration to let you know if you've unlocked the lock. A great solution for folks who have trouble either finding or always misplacing or remembering where they put their keys, but certainly also individuals with mobility or dexterity issues that it might be difficult to handle uh, a small flat object like a key. Um, This individual was back there this year, had a successful stint on Shark Tank and is now licensing their technology to some other lock manufacturers. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's uh, Benji Lock. And uh, and yeah, after the, the deal with uh, Mr. Wonderful on uh, Shark Tank, uh, he's now uh, licensing it to Hampton. Uh, and they were showcasing the, the technology, whether in padlocks or in front door locks and, and, and others uh, at uh, CES. In fact, they were one of our innovation award winners for accessibility uh, this year and, and really a great story. But you know, I do want that accessibility roundtable is the way we we kick off CES each year. It's uh, right before the show opens, and it's an opportunity to get together leaders from the the disability community along with uh, members of the industry, whether they're startups, whether they're large companies, 
and just get together, talk about, you know, what are some of the, um, you know, trends that we're seeing in the industry? What are some of the things that we'll see at CES this year? We had a chance to talk about things like, you know, over-the-counter hearing aids uh, with the, the rules coming out for that, uh, some of the uh, work-from-home type technologies, as well as a, a number of other uh, issues that the, the group raised. Um, and, quite frankly, one of my main goals out of this is just to develop stronger relationships because I really believe, you know, when we get together, when we bring people together to have these kinds of conversations, form these types of relationships, it's going to lead to greater opportunities, better designed uh, products uh, that can work for for more people. Um, so yeah, that's always one of my uh, highlights of the, the week is to be able to, to get people together, have a, a nice uh, conversation. Uh, we usually wrap it up with uh, just a, a couple drinks uh, to get together and uh, cap off the networking um, and then send people off to the opening keynote. So uh, it really is a highlight of my week. And I was glad uh, we were able to have you uh, participate again this year, uh, Clark. And Matt, with your eight years experience now with CES, have you seen a kind of a, an, either an evolution of how accessibility is perceived or the types of companies that are involved with the, the accessibility roundtable? So we've seen um, additional companies, as, as Steve had mentioned and, and you had mentioned also, um, but I think the just the collaboration experience that that um, Steve has mentioned and I had mentioned before, and you you even brought up the you know sitting next to somebody at that roundtable. I think you know it could be the next company you know that you met this year that's showing up at that roundtable next year, and that's the the value of CES and and the value of the disabled community and specifically in this case the blindness community participating and and one thing i i think that's maybe lost is um you don't have to be um with a company to attend ces you could be going on your own um you or your company may allow you to go this is a value of having all types of people attend to it um go through the exhibits and and get that support so you know, my mention of, of um, checking off a box during the registration about being blind and needing assistance, every, any you, any person can do that. And I think it's important to highlight that because that's the importance of, of not just Clark and I and, and others who are blind going through, but everybody doing it who has an opportunity to go to Vegas and, and experiences can share their experiences because the only way it to change from an accessibility point of view is to tell our story and to explain our needs. And um, I, one area that I'm sure is, is um, uh, in your heart uh, is uh, Clark would be the fitness area. And I spent a lot of time in the fitness area this year and it's not just a rower. It's not just a climber. It's not just a, um, a piece of exercise equipment. It's, it's all connected equipment these days hmm. and, and being able to sit down and talk to those folks and whether it's a um, a fitness expert who's showing off the technology or sometimes them grabbing um, the CEO of the company or the CTO or the technologist who made this technology, um, that was a big part of it. And um, I, in fact, I, I, I have a story. I would, my wife um, bought something back in September and it was a piece of fitness gear that I'd never seen before. And it's, it's basically a boxing um, setup. 
And the idea is that there's lights on the screen and you're boxing and hitting the lights as those lights move around the screen. Totally not that accessible for me. But the concept then, I'm walking around the show floor and found it. It was there and I got to talk to people about, well, would it be nice if you not only lit them up, could you tell me where on the clock? Because it's basically a um, a clock face shaped device. So if I can hit, if you say 12 o'clock and I go and hit 12 o'clock, could it ding and let me know I hit 12 o'clock? That was, you know, an example of something that, you know, I've seen at home and knew I've not been able to participate using this technology, um, but been able to talk to the CEO of that company and, and CTO was a big part of what I gained from, from participating. That's a great story, Matt. And I do just want to jump in uh, with one clarification. Uh, CES actually is not open to the general public. So oh, good um, correction. Sorry. About a- that. Anyone uh, with a company or related to the industry. So media, others are able to come and participate, but um, it is, you know, it's a business show. So we do uh, lock it down as much as you know, 45,000 people or, or in a normal year, hundred and 60,000 people doesn't uh, sound like it's very uh, locked down. It is, uh, um, it is industry only, but um, it is. Sorry about uh, that. Thank it, you. Steve. It is an opportunity for a lot of people to get engaged. And I do encourage, um, you know, that's one of the things I want to make sure of is we have not just, I mean, certainly I love having uh, the advocacy community like uh, Clark and others uh, attend, but it's also, I want to make sure the, um, people with disabilities who are employed in the industry have an opportunity to participate and attend. And, you know, we do make sure that those accessibility, whether it's the, the guides or, or other uh, solutions are available to attendees across the show, um, regardless of whether they're part of our accessibility leaders tour or if they're uh, just attending uh, as part of their, their company or, or others. So that is a, a really important part for us. And thank you for that clarification, Steve. Matt, thank you for highlighting the uh, accessible fitness and exercise vendors. Um, With ACB's focus on accessible health and wellness, as well as our Get Up and Get Moving campaign, uh, accessible healthcare providers, fitness providers, wearable uh, sensor companies, anyone providing uh, health data or biometrics, those were companies in particular that, uh, that my sighted guide and I uh, you know, made a beeline for. So I did enjoy the, the conversations with many of those companies. Uh, like you were saying, some are pretty well established and others are new to the space. And being able to have that conversation with them, uh, starting the conversation with, you know, tell me about your product. How does the consumer interact with it? How would I interact with it? Have you seen an accessible smartphone before? Um, What would it take to include this sort of technology in your product so that more individuals could take advantage of this technology? And I'd have to say everyone, even if they had never heard of um, accessibility before, was very open to having a conversation and learning and wanting to make sure that we were speaking to the right people. But there were also individuals who, you know, on their smart connected devices, had already included closed captioning, not only for the deaf and hard of hearing community, but certainly for uh, parents 
or family members who want to get in a workout at home, but not wake the rest of the family while they're doing it, right? That kind of that digital curb cut, if you will. Uh, so that, that's an area that we at ACB will certainly be following up with and trying to continue to build those relationships and as we go forward with our get up and get moving campaign. Another area that I'd like to focus, Steve, is that it's one thing for companies to hear about accessibility from CTA Foundation or the accessibility leaders. But in my mind, it's another thing altogether when the, the initial keynote of the Consumer Electronics Show, uh, which was Samsung, highlights accessibility in their new product launches. Uh, I was totally blown away by that. Samsung debuted the, the Freestyle, which is basically a small portable projector, as well as smart speaker, no larger than uh, the Bluetooth wireless speakers that are you know, pretty much u- ubiquitous nowadays. And just right in their keynote presentation, they highlighted that this, this freestyle projector and speaker has the same accessible user interface as their other TVs and video products. This speaker has the ability to pass through audio description and closed captioning. And it wasn't a, a disclaimer that we are required or mandated to do this. It's we want to make sure that everyone knows that our products are uh, you know, universally designed and inclusive for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that once again goes to showcase the, the fact that we are seeing more of these companies, whether they're the, the startups or whether they're the large global brands like Samsung are really taking this issue um, seriously. They're taking it to heart. Um, you know, I know uh, that was one of the things that uh, they, they were very excited to share. Um, and I know we as a, a group had a chance to spend, I think we spent close to an hour or so mm. just touring their booth and, and meeting with uh, various people showing off different technologies there. Um, and whether it is you know, making their their TVs adjustable to uh, people with color blindness, uh, so it can really customize the the colors and make things uh, easier to to see if you do have color blindness. Or, yeah, the the adding all of that uh, into their compact uh, freestyle uh, product. Um, you know, their various other smart home uh, technologies, and and it's really exciting to see because that's something that. When we see the the big global brands uh, building that in, that causes the other uh, members of the industry to uh, pay attention as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a, a good sign for where we're going um, and more opportunities for us in the future. And and certainly there are you know requirements for accessible communications devices and video playback devices, uh, but in not included in those regulations, uh, for example, you know, Samsung is not required to have an avatar signing American Sign Language on screen as someone scrolls through the menu options, right? Like that's that's innovation that's going above and beyond. You know, they're they're not required to have a a screen reader providing speech output in their refrigerator 
to navigate the menus of the devices that's going above and beyond. So that's, that's really exciting innovation to see that's becoming available in mainstream products. And Matt, um, I guess back to Eureka Park and the, the startup companies. I know there was one company that both you and I uh, experienced separately uh, from either France or Switzerland. Switzerland. Yep. Switzerland. Yes. Yep. Uh, a company with uh, biped. Right. Yep. And it's interesting. Um, you know, this is, this is the part that, that I always get excited about. Um, not necessarily because every time the piece of technology is perfect, but just the fact that people are out there innovating um, to try to solve problems and they're trying to solve problems that they've heard from somebody in the community. And we can't, um, it, sometimes we, we may not see it as a problem, but it's someone out there has, you know, decided it was a problem. And in this case, it was, you know, detect detection of objects when um, navigating. And I found it really interesting. And I think the value again of, of, um, trying this stuff out and talking to the vendor is to be able to say, well, you know, maybe what you're doing with it is great, but maybe your ability to share it back with the person using it may not be the tones that I would expect because they're using tones to simulate um, what type of objects you may be um, encountering. And, you know, in a really loud environment like a convention hall or a conference um, area, um, or out on the street, do those sounds work for you? And that's the the value in us sitting down and talking to them and, and making sure that they're exploring with the blindness community um, would this device potentially work for you? So I thought that was kind of fun to, to is that that's one example of a device. Years ago, it would have been Ira. Um, years you know ago, it could have been something like an OrCam um, who does participate at CES um, through uh, their parent company. And so there's such a broad look at technologies that can show up in Eureka Park. And um, uh, I, I'm trying to remember the name of the, the keyboard people used on their iPhone. Um, was it Flick Type? Type? Flip Type? I'm trying to remember what it was. A company like that would be it in Eureka Park and showing off their cool technology. And I, I think it's, it's great. You've, you'd seen something else. I think it was a Braille keyboard, if I remember correctly, um, in, in the Korea section. Yes, uh, from a company, More Dreams, in the Korean section of Eureka Park, had a the prototype for a small handheld Bluetooth Braille keyboard, so that somebody who is a you know, proficient Braille typer, instead of using the touchscreen on their smartphone, could leave their smartphone in their pocket. If they had a, an earbud or headphones on, they could then use this uh, basically like the size of a deck of cards, maybe a little bit bigger handheld braille keyboard to navigate the screen of their smartphone, select items. And again, instead of typing with the touchscreen, use the six braille keys to type more efficiently. So it is pretty cool technology. And, and it, for those who are out there using braille displays um, or using other devices like it, it probably similar to a, I think it's an orbit braille writer if I remember correctly, or Orbit Writer. And it's basically, a you know, like Clark said, small, hand, you know, handheld. You could slide this in a pocket, pull it out, and be able to you know, answer a call, for example, without having to pull the phone out. 
or type a text message without leaving your phone in the pocket or something like that. And certainly more discreet than using uh, speech to text or dictation all the time as well. Uh, Matt, the company Biped from Switzerland, you know, it, and this is just one of my own hangups. It's like, how many things am I going to have to wear or carry as a blind person, as a disabled person? Um, but at the same time, what cool technology this is, right? We're using multiple cameras, uh, LIDAR and infrared sensors to be able to detect objects. Uh, and then I had a great conversation with them. You know, a lot of new smartphones have a lot of those same capabilities built in. Um, what would it take to have this available in an application form? You know, we mentioned Ira before. Ira has the, you know, formerly had the horizon glasses that people could wear, or you could use your own smartphone, uh, video camera and microphone. So how can we make the, the form factor of a product like this more, more enticing, more accessible and more usable for the widest audience? Um, but then also talking with a lot of the virtual reality, augmented reality and artificial uh, intelligence companies that were present at CES, maybe this is just the way the market's headed. You know, I have no problem wearing uh, a smart watch, uh, Bluetooth wireless headphones and having a smartphone, how long before I have a, a headset or, uh, you know, smart glasses and things like that. And it's, it's, you know, one of the, one of the companies we had seen years ago at this show also, um, and very popular in the blindness community is Aftershocks. And, um, I did see their booth this year and i I was surprised. I did not know about the name change. Um, they're no longer called aftershocks, but just called shocks. And I thought it was cool to, you know, it, I always find it very cool to be able to go see them and see what's coming, you know, new in their technology. Um, but that's obviously a, a Bluetooth headphones that a lot of uh, blind um, consumers use today. Yes. So Steve, as we talk about these new and emerging technologies, what are some of the things that either got you excited at CES or that you're excited for uh, maybe emerging technologies down the road? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that gets me excited is hearing some of the technologies that you and Matt were just talking about and seeing how they've grown over the years. You know, the, the aftershocks now, uh, shocks uh, to see them come up from a, a, a new company uh, to having a, a much larger footprint uh, at the show and, and highlighting uh, their technologies. Some of the other uh, products, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back of some of our previous accessibility winners uh, for Eureka Park, like, you know, Wheel with their automated uh, power wheelchair. Uh, we're right there in, in Central Hall with some of the, the big giant companies uh, showcasing some of their latest uh, solutions for wheelchair users. Uh, others like, um, you know, we've had, you know, WeWalk with their smart cane and, and Ira and others have come through that program. So I'm very excited to see where there's continue, uh, continuing development in this space. Um, one of the spaces I'm excited for is the smart home technologies and things that can really help uh, people stay independent at home. In fact, we ran a pitch competition this year. Um, it was more focused around smart 
home from a, an aging perspective, but a number of the different products that we were able to uh, showcase there, uh, whether it was automated control of you know, windows and, and doors or assistance with uh, delivery uh, solutions, um, you know, other kinds of uh, you know, water, for, water purification type uh, solutions, um, really kind of exciting ways that can really revolutionize the way that we um, you know, live at home uh, independently, regardless of, of age or ability. Uh, these are technologies that I think we'll see across the, the general uh, uh, population. So some really uh, interesting products in that space. And I do think the wearable space is going to continue to uh, innovate. Um, you know, you mentioned the idea of um, you know, wearing smart glasses. And you know, I know there's work already going into how do you make XR accessible, uh, you know, whether it's uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, or the, the combination of the two, uh, that is a, a place that we're seeing the industry go and why we need to ensure that it's developed in an accessible way, because, you know, that may be a future uh, form factor that we'll be getting a lot of information from uh, as we're moving about and, um you know, interacting with our devices through that form factor as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm always excited to see, you know, what are those new uh, interesting ideas? Um, you know, one other I, uh, item I'll just uh, call attention to, uh, not really accessibility related beyond the fact that some of the team members that were involved with it uh, had worked with us uh, a number of years ago on a, a project called Accessible Ollie uh, to design an accessible self-driving bus. Uh, they partnered with the Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway to create, uh, they have a number of college teams that were uh, creating accessible indie racing cars. Um, and essentially uh, they had earlier, I guess, back in the fall uh, at, in, at the Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway, they had their first race. Uh, really, it was kind of each car racing around the track on its own. At CES this year was the first time they had the cars racing each other um, at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, um, you know, passing each other uh, at very high speeds as uh, as these uh, racing cars do. And and you know that's none of us are picking up uh, an Indy racing car anytime soon. But the technologies that are going into that, you know, if you can help cars pass each other at you know 150 miles per hour. Um, that's going to be really critical technology that can go into the consumer cars that I'm really excited for those autonomous vehicles that are going to help, you know, all of us, you know, get around town, uh, whether it is, you know, a, a self-driving public uh, transit or individual uh, uh, products. So I, I think that's going to be a really important technology, especially for the, the blindness community, but really uh, across the broad uh, general population. And I, I, I do want to comment on this this um, indie driving experience. I actually got to sit in a um, simulator, and it was a simulator that I got to drive and wreck um, within seconds. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, in fact, actually, as soon as I pressed the gas, I wrecked the car. Um, but I did get to, with assistance, uh, drive the entire track. And um, when I say with assistance, meaning that I... I was going to wreck every time I moved the steering wheel because um, I was going, you know, like Steve said, 150 miles an hour. Uh, but the chair, you know, moved with it. It's almost like a, a Disney ride experience in a way, but it was, 
you know, screens wrapped around you. If you had enough vision, you'd be able to see the the car flashing through with the stands on either side and the, the motion of it. And you're using the pedals and the gas and the um, brake and gear shift and all of that, that experience. And it was totally great experience. And it's actually, I think it's on our YouTube channel and freedom scientific's YouTube channel. Cause I thought it was kind of fun to be able to show that off. And in that same vein, you know, these are experimental technologies, right? These are technologies that are pushing the envelope. Uh, Well, are they pushing the envelope? Because this technology was debuted a few years ago at CES in the Indianapolis Raceway, but those Ollie shuttles are going through pilot programs with the National Park Service, providing visitor shuttles at Wright Brothers Memorial in Kill Devil Hills, North Carolina, as well as Yellowstone National Park in uh, oh, Montana or Wyoming, whichever uh, part of the, the park you're in. So not only are these, these technologies you know, groundbreaking and innovative, just a few years later, they're, they're becoming mainstream. And that's really exciting to see. Matt, why don't you take off your, your Vispero hat, your ACB advisory board and CTA foundation uh, board hat? And then what are just some other, some other cool technologies that, that spoke to you at this year's CES? Well, Steve, Steve was talking about um, smart home technology. And for years, I've, I've, that's one of my favorite kind of experiences to do. And, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, locks that could be used by smart homes and, and blinds or whatever they may be and you, refrigerators and uh, washer and dryers that can, um, as soon as they're done, fold the laundry for you, all the kinds of cool things you see in gadgets. But this year, I thought being um, around the health technology that kind of mixed with smart home technology was really cool to me. And um, one of the ones that that I saw that I thought was just neat was, you know, there's this on the mix of aging challenges, as well as mm. disability challenges, as well as um, uh, caregiver challenges. You know, I thought something as cool as like, you know, you've seen the, 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 the concept of having the pills shipped to you once a month and, and they're already in, and I think one of the brands was back in the day. I don't know if it still exists. I think it does is pill pack and, and, but they had a device at one of the booths that I thought was just fascinating. It was basically the size of a Keurig machine and your pod of your monthly pills, you would pop the pod into this, the top of the unit. And then, you know, once a day or twice a day or whatever number of times a day you had to take your pills, it would issue the pills and send out an alarm and and track whether or not you took those pills and then provide signals back to either caregivers, caregivers, family members, doctors, whatever, um, or monitoring service to make sure you're doing this kind of stuff. And that's interesting. The, the growth in, um, I don't know if the right word is virtual health, but um, the growth around healthcare that's um, kind of a mix of of smart home technology and some virtual support is a growing segment. And I thought technology like that really has a place. And I I just love seeing the um, uh, companies out there and got to talk to a CEO of a company. Again, that's something that both you and, and Steve highlighted the value in, in talking to people within companies. So I thought the, the health section, and, and I hadn't spent as much time in the health section before because 
our own booth was never in the health section. And this time it, at the assistive technology or accessibility related stuff was more in the health and wellness section, which was nice to be there because you got to see stuff that you may have not seen before uh, because of the segment. And then as mentioned, um, the fitness area I thought was a fascinating area and, and an area that I've always wanted to do and, and never felt um, comfortable, but loved the, the, the fitness side of it was rock climbing. And I know rock climbing is totally capable, but either a fear of heights or a, a, a comfort zone of, of doing it, you know, I got to see and, and use not a rock climbing wall, but the fitness side of rock climbing in a machine. And I don't know, Clark, if you saw this, this one piece of equipment, but found that kind of stuff, just fun and fascinating to be able to do and say, boy, I'd love to have that thing in my house. And in that same vein, Matt, the, the other companies in the connected fitness space that I uh, spent some time with and, hope to build relationships with our Hydro, um, H-Y-D-R-O-W, a connected rowing machine, as well as Echelon, uh, the maker of smart and connected bikes, treadmills, and rowing machines. Um, Devices that our members are familiar with, um, but ones that need need some more work to be uh, totally independently usable by our community. Um, also in the, the connected health space, there was a, a startup in uh, relatively new to CES, a company Labrador Systems that was making uh, accessible robots, whether that's for uh, carrying trays with food or placing a, you know, a bulky, heavy laundry basket on it. Again, for this kind of uh, elder care, independent living, aging in place, you know, why why burden yourself with carrying something big and bulky if it makes you unstable or you don't have the dexterity and mobility to carry a table service for eight for Thanksgiving dinner? You could use one of these robots with an adjustable height and arms that can slide trays onto them themselves to assist you around the house. And then, of course, another uh, CES keynote uh, company, Abbott Labs. You know, having the opportunity to speak in person with individuals from Abbott Diabetes Care about the accessibility of the Freestyle Libre continuous glucose monitor. And here are the exciting announcement of Abbott's Lingo, a kind of connected health tracking diagnostic equipment. Um, I, again, it's the, the only problem we have is that this is one podcast and there are so many companies. There was one more company that I'd like to highlight, Steve, and that was Living Freely. Uh, a company kind of focused on that uh, connected health and notifying caregivers of the, uh, the activity and the metrics of a user. Uh, but not only is this for folks to work with their parents or grandparents, uh, this is technology that's mainstream technology. In fact, it's been included in uh, Apple Health and other health tracking systems because it is such vital technology. Yeah, thanks for giving them a, a shout out. And yeah, the, their their app's called uh, Buddy uh, yeah, by Live Freely and uh, really an interesting technology. I know they're working with Apple, working with Fitbit uh, and others along those lines. So um, yeah, that's one of the one of the great things about uh, CES, uh, obviously, I'm a little bit biased here, but uh, um, just an opportunity to really see and learn 
some of these new uh, technologies really connect with the the companies that are developing uh, these solutions and then you know engage with them around uh, around the new opportunities I, I love that you mentioned Labrador they were one of the the companies I was thinking about as well um, and being able to really showcase those kinds of uh, technologies that can help people uh, you know live independently at home. You know, actually, one of the other ones that jumped out to me was a company called Moen uh, with their um, essentially kitchen and bath fixtures. Uh, they've added more and more features now where you can, you know, tell your device through your voice. So if you want exactly, you know, one cup of water at whatever temperature and it will pour you, you know, that exact amount of water at the exact right temperature. Uh, you can also do it through hand gestures uh, as well. So if you can't speak to it uh, you or don't want to speak to it, you can do it uh, via hand gestures. Also, the, some of their shower products of you know, being able to get up in the morning and say, you know, tune my shower to exactly, I don't know, 98 degrees or whatever a good temperature is for a shower. Uh, and it would warm up your shower to exactly that temperature and then kind of pause it there. And when you're ready, you just hit a button and it starts your shower uh, and reduce uh, risks of scalding or, or other issues along those lines. So I think there's some really uh, interesting types of technologies. And, you know, now I just have to uh, you know, save up and uh, get all these uh, new things. Uh, that'll be the, the next challenge for me. Uh, d- despite popular belief, they don't give you one of everything when you visit CES. No, sadly enough, uh, <laughs> no, they, they bring all that stuff back home. But, uh, you know, luckily, uh, we'll, we'll see a lot of it out on the shelves here very soon. And, uh, and Steve, as we move forward here, certainly at ACB, we look forward to working with the CTA Foundation as well as the rest of the accessibility leaders. Is there anything else that you would like to highlight upcoming here in 2022? Yeah, well, one, I, Clark, I just really want to thank you for your participation at CES as well as for uh, having Matt and I here uh, for this podcast. It's always great to have these conversations and, and just look at uh, what we've uh, found uh, throughout CES. Um, yeah, CTA Foundation, uh, we, we keep going uh, even after uh, CES. Uh, we'll have a number of other activities throughout the year, um, just highlighting some of the, the technologies. And we'll be working on some of our grant programs as well as we support uh, nonprofit organizations around the country that are using technology to uh, help either older adults or people with disabilities. Uh, and we've supported a number of organizations in the, the blindness and low vision uh, space. And I, I fully expect that we will uh, continue to, to do that uh, this year and beyond. So really uh, look forward to continuing to work with ACB and, and finding more opportunities to work together. Thanks, Steve. And, and Matt, I know you're on the uh, Accessible and Assistive Technology Conference circuit. Is there anything you'd like to highlight for upcoming for Vispero? Well, you'll find us at um, Assistive Technology Industry Association, ATIA in Orlando uh, later this month. Uh, you'll also find us at CSUN with lots of presentations as well as uh, exhibits. Um, um, and then, and, and I would make sure that everybody who's listening tune in on uh, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Um, we uh, participate in the community calls with ACB and, and do different technology um segments on there and then also on clubhouse a couple times a week um, under the jaws software f slash t blind club so we'd love to have participation from all the members of acb um, uh, 
check us out on those different platforms. Well, Steve and Matt, thank you so much for your time here today. And thank you to everyone who's tuned in for this kind of look back at the 2022 CES and conversation about uh, not only assistive technology, but how accessibility is going mainstream in consumer technology. Uh, if there's accessible technology that you, know, you find most, most useful or that you'd like to share with others, you know, please, please drop us a line, whether it's on social email, excuse me, social media, emailing advocacy at acv.org or you know, drop in a comment wherever you found this podcast. So we, we look forward to joining you again. And again, my name is Clark Rockfall, and this is the ACB Advocacy Update. And as we always say, keep advocating. This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. ACBM wants to send along heartfelt greetings to all of its family throughout the ACB community. Having hosted two outstanding and invigorating ACB national conventions, they are committed to expanding opportunity for Americans who are blind and visually impaired. ACBM supports the James R. Olson Memorial Scholarship honoring one of its past members, and they continue to not let life during these challenging times slow down. ACBM invites all to their informative bi-monthly community conference calls, ranging on everything from sports and technology to gardening and loving life in the land of 10,000 lakes. They hold quarterly monthly membership meetings, monthly coffee gatherings, and monthly board meetings. To learn more about ACBM, visit their website at www acbminnesota.org or call 612-223-5543. ACBM, a supporter of the ACB Media Network.